Lovely to see you all this morning. I thought we might talk about resurrection. Seemed like a good idea. Um, but we're not going to focus on the story of Jesus' resurrection this morning. Instead, we're going to focus on an instant in his life in which he brought resurrection to somebody else. And um, I do that because to me the whole point of Jesus' death and resurrection is that it opens the way for resurrection for us. Um, and I believe that in an eternal sense, so I don't really believe in death in one sense, it's not really a reality. Of course, this body, this fabulous body will fail me at some point and my heart will stop beating and my lungs will stop drawing breath and somebody will at some point declare me clinically dead, but they will be wrong because at that point I will be more alive than ever. You see, the truth is I am immortal. And the truth is you are immortal. That's the truth. And everybody you loves him all. Of course, when people's bodies fail, we miss them and we grieve for them. But ultimately, death has been beaten. It's been overcome. But that's not really what I'm going to talk about. Um, because God's not only in a resurrection at the end of life, he's in a resurrection all the way through life. And I want to look at a, an incident in Luke chapter 8. I'm just going to read it for you, and then we're going to just work through it kind of line by line. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 8. You don't have to put it up there. Uh, we can just listen to the word of God being read. Luke chapter 8 and verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. These were in the days when he was popular with everybody. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And then this lady comes in and kind of distracts him, but, and he carries on. He heals this lady. And then verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, a synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. <coughs> Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So, I want to explore these words this morning. First of all, Jesus is going about his business when suddenly a man called Jairus comes and falls at his, his feet with his problem. He's got a 12-year-old girl, and this girl's dying. And of course, in Jesus' time, there was no 111 or NHS to take this girl to. Jesus was probably his only hope. Now, this story is all about a 12-year-old girl, but actually it's much bigger than that because it's about the heart of Jesus to restore what is dying. That's what this story is about. It's about the heart of Jesus to restore what is dying. So as I talk, it's really important you think wider than a person who is physically dead being brought back to physical life because this is a principle about the heart of God expressed in a 12-year-old girl's life. Because although can, God can and indeed does resurrect physical bodies, there are also things which perhaps we see as dead. Or we look at them and think they are dying. But the God I know wants to raise those things to life. Yeah. 
It might be a relationship, a business, an investment, a health issue, a dream, a passion, a desire, a longing. It can be any and all of those things. But if it's of God, it can never die unless you want it to. If it's born of God and you want it to be resurrected, it will be resurrected because God does know nothing else other than that. But there are some keys. There are some keys to see things resurrected. We know Jairus has a problem. His daughter of 12 is dying. He's losing something desperately precious. The first lesson in seeing something resurrected is that you must do what Jairus did who came and fell at the feet of Jesus. That's the first thing. Jesus knew where his answer lay. He understood that the answer for his issue was in Jesus. It wasn't anywhere else but in the name of Jesus. You've just sung, oh, it's all powerful, it's all wonderful, because that's where the answer is. But you have to look for the answer there first. What happens a lot for us these days is we have so much help around us, we don't often seek Jesus like Jairus did. We don't plead with him to visit our house, to visit our spheres of influence. And because he's such a gentleman, then he doesn't come when he's not invited. When was the last time you pleaded with Jesus to come to your house? To visit with you, as it were. When was the last time you pleaded with Jesus before the doctor? Before the counsellor? Before using the credit card? Before telling your tale of woe to everybody around you? When did you plead with Jesus? First. Before all of that. I know, you taught me it. (laughs) But we're so blessed in this nation, we have it too easy in some ways. So we use God as an add-on when everything else failed, rather than running and falling and pleading at the feet of Jesus. And perhaps if we pleaded with God, as much as we complained about the NHS, we might hear somewhere. Maybe we should show up complaining and start pleading. And please understand, I'm not not advocating you begging before God, because you're a son and a daughter of the Most High King, but there's at least got to be a conversation. There's got to be a declaration of thanksgiving to him. I'm not suggesting you plead like a beggar, but rather a need to proclaim like a son, believing the answer is in him. Of course, Jairus came and he begged at his feet, he pleaded him. Well, there's a way to plead without begging. It's called declaring in faith, continually believing that God is the answer. And of course, there may, there may be a doctor needed, there may be a counsellor needed, there may, be, there may be a credit card needed, who knows? But that's not to be the first part of call if you want to see some resurrection life come. It's got to be Jesus first. And then what Jesus says we go do, whatever that may involve, for all he's given us. But too many times we get it completely the wrong way around. How much praying, thanking, declaring has gone on for that which you want to see raised from the dead. You see, it's clear that Jesus responds to Jairus' request because, of course, Jesus is into resurrection, but first there's got to be a request. There's got to be a request. Otherwise, he just carries on walking to his next assignment. Jesus wasn't going to go there if he didn't know about it. And you go, oh, yeah, but he sees everything. Well, of course he sees everything. But you have to tell him about it as well. Because you have to invite him in away. Just think of how many other families probably lost children that week or month when Jesus were around. But his daughter got healed. Because he ran and fell at the feet of Jesus and pleaded. You see, resurrection's available, but there's some keys. There must have been a conversation because it says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So there was a, he, he pleads in, Jesus must have said, yeah, come on. And then he heads towards a place and gets interrupted by this lady. And that's a whole other story of incredible healing and pleading and crushing and be- crushing, pressing and believing. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus. Your daughter is dead. 
don't bother the teacher anymore. It's very interesting that in all three resurrection stories in the Bible, there's, there's three resurrection stories other than Jesus. There's Lazarus, there's Jairus' daughter, and there's uh, a young man who is actually being carried out of the city in his coffin, uh, and he, gets, he comes back from the dead. There's three stories. And in every one, there's a reference to Jesus being late. In every one, there's a reference to him being late. So this bloke comes and goes, oh, look, it's too late. It's too late for Jesus. She's dead now. She's, she's past it. Jesus can't help anymore. He's too far gone, that. And then you, both Mary and Martha go, Jesus, if you just turned up earlier, then Lazarus would be all right. And Jesus goes, well, actually, I'm going to stay away for a couple more days. I love that story. Each time, Jesus is on his way. And each time, he arrives rather later than anybody else wanted. Ever had that happen to you? Ever complained about how long something's taking? Ever wondered why on earth you're waiting for something that seems like it would simply be much better and easier if it just happened right away? I know, me too. But the truth is, Jesus is always on time. Never late and never early. If Jesus ran a bus company, you could always expect the bus to be there exactly when the timetable said it would be there. Not a minute late, not a minute early, and there'd always be a seat for you. The problem is that Jesus doesn't put his timetable online for you to check. But I can assure you that 100% of God is always on time. And if you are waiting for something, you've got to ask a different question. Stop complaining about the wait and why it shouldn't take so long and reading all sorts of things into what God or God might say about why it's late and start to believe that he's always on time and start to think about this. Perhaps there is a reason you are waiting. Perhaps there is a reason Jesus has not called you. Perhaps there is a bigger picture, a bigger story, a greater good that is much bigger than simply you, your family, or your business. In the meantime, be assured, he will keep you, watch over you, guard over you, provide for you, protect you, teach you, and heal you. And of course, whilst you are playing that waiting game, you've got to make sure that you do everything you know how to do. You're actioning everything he's already told you and focusing not on that which you are yet to walk into, but that on which you have already walked up against. Jesus will turn up right on time. He will arrive at just the right moment. No matter what you think about that timing. The other lesson that we learn from those words is that we must face the reality of the situation. The only way you can see resurrection is to wake up to the reality of the death. Because only dead things get resurrected. Your daughter is dead. I mean, I, I cannot imagine hearing those words. But there was a reality to be faced up to. And sometimes we're reluctant to state the reality of the situation because of the pain it causes us. But sadly, we must state the reality. Otherwise, we act in this pretense place that God doesn't know and doesn't operate in. God operates in reality. He doesn't operate in pretend. He operates in reality. He lives in the very real world of sadness, pain, loss, grief, and heartache. And he knows there. But we have to see it as it is. If it's dead, say it, write it, share it down. There's no point going to cap and saying, oh yeah, you're 10 grand, when actually you are 50. There's just no point, is there? It's a waste of time. So, so whatever it is that you're looking at going, I think this is dead, I think it's dying, I think it's gone, you, you've got to face the reality of it. And I realise, I realise it's painful, I realise it's difficult, but it's necessary. 
It's why when Jesus came to see Lazarus, who had been dead four days, he told them to open the tomb. First of all, because Lazarus had to have a way of getting out. But second of all, Mary goes, oh, but it's going to be a bit smelly. And Jesus goes, well, of course, it's death. It doesn't look nice. It does smell. It's not nice to look at. But if you want him to walk out of the tomb, you've got to open it. And you've got to see in it and look at it as a reality. I've said it before, but you must be willing to acknowledge the reality of the tomb if you are to see resurrection. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she'll be healed. It's never too late for Jesus. It didn't really matter whether she was dying or dead or been dead three weeks, it was never too late for Jesus. He had it all covered. There is nothing that Jesus cannot heal or resurrect and nobody he cannot restore. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Sometimes people ask me whether they're too hurt, too broken to be healed by Jesus. Listen, he brings clinically dead people back to life, so you're okay. <laughs> Literally, he brings clinically dead people back to life, so you're all right. I am absolutely assured there is no one too hurt to be fully and completely healed and restored by Jesus. Yeah. It may take some time, but I am convinced that everybody who wants to be restored can be and will be, and not just when they arrive in heaven, but on this earth. Yeah. On this earth. The challenge to achieve that is in what you believe, because Jesus can't do anything without faith. <coughs> According to Hebrews, it's impossible without faith to please God. But the good news is he's already given you a measure of faith. Yeah. But faith is not a feeling, but a choice. It's a decision to choose to believe what God says above everything else. What does God say about your future? What does he say about your job? What does he say about your relationships? What does he say about your finances? What does he say about the things you're looking at and think you are dead? What does he say about them? You see, when you come to understand what he says is more powerful than what you think, and when you align your thinking to his words, that's when you see miracles come to pass. You've got to acknowledge the earthly reality whilst declaring the heavenly one. That is faith right there. And that's, honestly, that's all I've ever done, I think. Acknowledge the earthly reality. This is what it is. This is the truth of it. This is the reality of it. It's horrible. It sucks. It smells. It's painful. And I hate it. But this is the reality. But the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. What do you believe about that which is most precious? Is it dead? Dying? Is Jesus too late? When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, said Jesus. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. Now, you must understand that who you keep company with has a huge impact on your chances of seeing resurrection. In fact, who you allow into your inner circle will determine your future. Why did Jesus only take three friends and mum and dad in with him? Because faith was required and nobody outside had any faith, so he got rid of them. Faith was required. And those that had no faith, he went, sorry, you can't take part in this because your lack of faith is going to suck mine from me and I've got to use all I've got to see this come up past, so you're staying out there. No one outside had any faith, only scorn for the man of faith who would bring resurrection life. Jesus. That's the thing you see about living a life of faith. There's people outside who scorn you and people inside who celebrate you. 
And if you're not scorned, you're not really living a kingdom life. Because that's what happens. To live in the kingdom, to see kingdom life come and to see resurrection, you may well get laughed at by those who don't understand it. But hey, you'll see resurrection. See, if you want resurrection life, you have to live a resurrection life, which means it will look different. The kingdom is not the world, and living like the world lives will get you what the world's got. You can't live as the world lives and expect to receive resurrection life. You just can't. And we, we tend to live a, a mixture of the two. We think we can have a fully kingdom life while living like the benefits of the kingdom whilst living half a kingdom life. But the extent to which you live this kingdom life is the extent to which you walk in the kingdom. That's the reality. When Jesus arrived, he saw what everyone else didn't see. He saw a child sleeping. They saw a child dead. He saw potential, a new beginning and a future, where they saw loss and grief and an ending. That's what Jesus does. You see, you can't see those things and bring up a past with people around you who don't also see those things. It's just not possible. But those words of Jesus live and speak on into our lives. She is not dead, but asleep. Whatever it is that you feel is dying, or perhaps even dead, God speaks the same. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's your understanding of Jesus or your relationship with him. Maybe you feel like that's kind of just hit a bottom on the law. Listen, it's not dead. It's just asleep. It's not dead at all. God is a God of renewal and restoration and redemption. He's the God that time and time again puts things back together again. The one that renews hope and brings life on a dying embers to bring things alive. He took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to weep. Because it's what Jesus did. He reaches out to us in our depths of death and despair and all our brokenness and says, My child, get up. That's what he does. He invites you now in whatever area of your life seems to be dying or even dead. He says, my child, Gilb. There is one final lesson from this story. And it's found in Jesus' final instruction to give us something to eat. Because when what was dead is resurrected, it must be nourished. Or it may die again. Resurrection is not the end, but the beginning. Resurrection isn't the end of a journey, it's the start of a new journey. And for that journey to continue, whatever's been resurrected must be nourished and invested in so that it stays alive and well. That's why he gave us something to eat. Because resurrection's the beginning of a journey. Jesus is in the resurrection and he speaks to each and every one of us. And what we think is dead, perhaps he thinks he's only sleeping. But before he can say, get up, you have to decide whether you will see it as he sees it. He saw a child sleeping. They saw a child dead. What do you see? He saw potential, a new beginning and a future. They saw loss, grief and an ending. What do you see? Nothing of God can ever <coughs> die. It's impossible for anything of God to die. He built the whole thing of resurrection. These plants are only here because something died, but it never really died. It just spawned something else. Life just continued. Life continued to flow all the time. Resurrection is built into the very fabric of the universe. Yeah. Nothing dies. It just falls to the ground and then gets raised up again. There may be some things that have died, as it were, in your life. And they were meant to die because they were not God's heart for you. Addiction needs to die. Guilt needs to die. Pain needs to die. 
these things and many others are not of God. And we don't, we don't, we, we want those things to die. In fact, we're meant to be killing them because they're killing you. But there are other things, relationships, dreams, passions, prosperity in our businesses, health in our bodies. Those things are God things and they are not designed to die. They are never dead. Honestly, I'm like, if there are things that appear dead, then God says to them, it's not dead, it's asleep. And resurrection power can come your way and transform a seemingly dead thing into a very much alive thing. And I'm convinced of it because I've seen it time and time again in my own life because I've done these things. These are the things I've learned to do. I've told Jesus about it. I've spent time proclaiming and declaring his truth about it. I've faced up to the seen reality, what it looks like on the ground, on the earth. I've stopped complaining that he's late because I know he's always on time. And I've surrounded myself with faith and I've declared heaven's reality over the situation. And time and time and time and time and time again in my life and other people's life, I have seen resurrection life come. I know it to be true. I seem more excited than you right now. (laughs) I don't know why that is. I just know I'm very excited about it. Let's stand. I have no idea what we're going to do now, but we're going to stand to start with... Okay, there you go. Paul does. That's good. I hoped you would. Thank you, Lord. That was a great word, Adam. Well done. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's very interesting, though. It's very interesting what happens with us when we hear a word like this. Because it's Resurrection Sunday. Well, it means something, doesn't it, that Jesus died for us. You can just sit down for a moment. We're going to stand up again in a minute. But Jesus' resurrection means something. It's not just that we come together to celebrate, but because he's, he's resurrected, we have resurrection life. It's an incredible thing. It means something. Everything that we hear has got to mean something. It's got to have a reality to it. Mm. And what, what Adam just shared is full of reality. Mm. And I was just thinking, what happens when you go to the doctor? And the first thing is this, actually, that the Bible says that before you ever go to the doctor, you should go to the elders. Listen to me. The elders don't come to you. You go to the elders. What does that mean? That means that you have to be humble. It means that you have to get to a place where you're willing to share something. You all know my doctor's stories. I sometimes have gone to the doctors and not shared the whole truth. And came out and went, God, why why didn't you answer me? He said, son, why didn't you tell the whole truth? Well, because I was embarrassed or because I I wasn't sure how to say it or because, 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 and I had to do it all again. So, so when, when I went to the doctors, I had to be humble. Pleading, you might say, like Jairus' daughter, pleading. I, I, I wanted an answer. But I had to be humble and I had to share with the doctor. In fact, I had to write a letter to the doctor, a long, long letter to the doctor, to actually say what I meant to say. Then, and only then, could she actually understand what, and of course Jesus understands anyway, but he wants you to share with him. You are his beloved. He wants to see your face. He wants to hear your voice. Yeah. He loves you. So you have to share. Well, if you, think about, if you think about what happened in this situation. So here he comes. He's, he's humble. He's pleading. And 
And I think that Adam said, you know, there's a declaration that we have to make. It's not a pleading in, in like pity. We are coming as sons to Jesus. So we, we can come with strength. We have to come with strength as well as humility. Grace and boldness at the same time. So we have to do that. Um, and, and you just think, then, what happens when you go to the doctor? You get there on time. You don't say to the doctor, well, come and meet me, mate. No, you have to put in a request, don't you? Mm. What do you have to do? Put in a request. Put in a request. Jairus, put in a request. Have you put in your request to Jesus? Steve came to me this morning and he said, I need, I need this and I need that. And I just said to him, put a number on it. Request it. He wants a request from you. I mean, I was listening to the radio on the way back from wherever we'd been yesterday, and there were requests coming in because people had rang up and gone, hey, I need to put a request in. Have you put your request in to Jesus? This is real things that we have to action. You, everyone's going, why don't God do something? God's already done everything. It's all finished. But Jairus came and met his case. And I think you got all the rest of it, but I just wanted to encourage you to take this in a real way. Yeah. It is not church as usual. It is like, no, Jesus is teaching us how to come to him. Yeah. How to do things. How to speak to him. He wants to hear from each one of us. Mm. So, okay, now we can stand up, can't we? And remember this. G Adam said that Jairus came and he had to understand the reality of the situation. If it's dead, it's dead. If it's dead, it's dead. If there's something that's not right, it's not right. Say it as it is. Wake up to the reality of the situation. Yeah. That's what you have to do. And then we have to give it to him. Don't we? Okay, so what is it that is your situation right now? Let's, let you just think, what is it? What is it, Lord, that I want to see differently? That I know needs resurrection life in it. Okay, well, that's what you're going to bring. And I want you to see it in your hand. Amen? And right now, Lord, we have come together, Father, this morning. Resurrection Sunday, Jesus. You've reminded us that you are the resurrection and the life, Lord. And you live in us, Jesus. But there are situations, Lord, in our own lives and in the lives of those around us, Father, in our families, in our jobs, in our businesses, wherever it might be, Father, and we are coming before you right now, Lord. He said that he came pleading, Lord. He fell at your feet and he put in his request, Lord. And right now, Father, together, Lord, we, we've all got requests, Lord. We, we're going to fall, as it were, at your feet, Jesus. And say, Father, this situation that you're, you're giving to him right now, this situation, see it. This situation, Lord, I'm falling at your feet. And I am asking, Father, in the name of Jesus, that there would be resurrection life in this situation. I see, Lord, I see, Jesus, that it is dying, Lord. And it, 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 it looks like it's just... The, the life has gone out of it, Father. I can see that, Father. But, Lord, I am asking in Jesus' name, Lord, that it would be filled with your life, Lord. It's not never too late for you, Jesus. Never too late for you, Jesus. Oh, and really, some of you should just be on your face right now. Some of you should just be going, Jesus, I need you badly right now. 
Oh, Father, we're asking, Father, for the resurrection life of Jesus into these situations, Father, that we are giving to you right now, Father. It is Resurrection Sunday, Jesus, and you are our resurrection Lord, and you are full of resurrection power, and, Father, we are asking for resurrection life, Lord, in these situations, whatever they might be, Lord, and you are well able to deal with all of them at once, Lord, and not just ours, but from wherever they're coming, Lord, you, you are more than able, Jesus, and we bring them before you right now, Father, in the most precious name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, for that life to come in, Lord. Life to come in, Father. In the name of Jesus, please, Father. Your life, Jesus. Your life, Father. Oh, Father. We thank you so much, Lord. We ask as well, Father, that you would continue to teach us, Lord, of how to live this resurrection life, Lord. We want to live it, Lord. We, we don't only want to sing about it and read about it and hear about it, but Jesus, we want to live it. We want to walk it, Jesus. We want every conversation, Father, every moment, Father, filled with your life, Father. That's what we want, Lord. We're asking that, Father, Holy Spirit. We want life, Lord. We want life in our thinking, Lord. Life in our thought life, Jesus. We want life in our speech, Jesus. We want life, Lord, in our behavior, Lord. We want life, Father, as we deal with one another, Father. We want life, Lord, when we walk outside into the streets, Lord. We want life, Lord, in our families, Father. Lord, we don't want any death, Lord. We don't want it, Father. We want life, Jesus. And it is Resurrection Sunday, Lord. It is Resurrection Sunday, Father. And we are asking for life, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father. And we agree in together, Lord, and for one another. Just look around, come on, and agree with your brothers and sisters. You don't know what they've been praying, but we agree, Father, in the name of Jesus, for answers in the house, Father. Answers in our lives, Lord. We agree about it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much, Father. Amen.